Psalms chapter 35, uh, verse 27. I want to read to you as you're standing because I just think you need to stand a while. Psalms chapter 35, verse 27. We're taking a journey this morning, and this says in Psalms 20, 35, verse 27, let them shout for joy and be glad who favor my righteous cause, and let them say continually, let the Lord be magnified, who has pleasure and the prosperity in his servants. We started this message series out with taking a journey. God took Israel out of Egypt's bondage. They were slaves and took them out onto a journey into the wilderness. And he told them, you've been skirting around this mountain long enough. Turn north. I'm going to do something different. They were left slaves and God wanted to turn them into sons. But they could have taken 14 days to get to the promised land, but it took them 40 years because they could not get that slave mentality off them. So God had to teach them how to change their mindset so it would truly change their life from, to get to the land of more than enough. And so today we're going to be talking about the journey of increase because God wants you to be a person that has more than enough, more than enough resources so you can bless others, more than enough joy so you can give it out, more than enough peace so you can lay hands on others for peace, more than enough kindness so you're giving it out everywhere you go. Father, thank you today that we serve a God of more than enough. I ask that you would today do an overwhelming work. Let it fall on good ground good receptivity, good seed, and it produces a great harvest over the people that are listening and watching. Thank you for your grace in Jesus' mighty name. And all God's men and women said, amen. Now turn to your neighbor and say you're good looking and go ahead and sit down. You are good looking. Would you give the worship team one more round of applause this morning? I'm really thankful you all are here. Thank you for coming. I think it's going to be a better week for you because you decided to honor God and to spend some time with him this morning. Thank you so much again for being here. I think it's important to know that life is a journey. It is not a parking lot. Life is success, but success comes in life through struggle. And when you go through life without struggle, you're really not producing something. You know, people that cannot uh, grow with you, they cannot go with you. In other words, when you start growing through struggle, through life, then the older you get and you start going down the journey of life, some people are not designed to go with you because if they can't grow with you, they certainly can't go with you. And that's okay to understand because you have to put this in your spirit because God took Israel out of Egypt's bondage as slaveries. But they had a free moral agency, as we talked about last Sunday, to get Egypt out of them. They had to make the choice to be people that would become sons. They had to make the choice to become sons and daughters of God. No longer slaves, but they had to become sons. So they had to journey around the mountain and go to a land of more than enough. But in the process, they had to stay in just enough. I believe the reason that they stayed in just enough for that period of time is because they had to change their thinking. They had to get to the next level of what they would receive. So you have to today get to a next level of thinking. In other words, the Bible says, as a man or of a woman thinketh, so are they. You have to realize as a foundational belief that it's God's will for you to prosper. You have to receive that. You have to believe that so you can go to that next level because you're a son. You're a daughter. If we be an evil, know how to give good gifts to our children, how much will God the Father give the good things for those that ask? Why? You're a son and you're a daughter. But that takes next level 
thinking. It's God's will for you to prosper. The Bible is a prosperous book. The greatest financial text is found in the Bible. Jesus is the greatest teacher of that text because he shows us how to have possessions and acquire wealth. 38 parables Jesus taught in the New Testament. Out of 38 parables, 16 of them deal with how to manage your possessions. It's very important in the Bible because when we mismanage our possessions, we are forfeiting our spiritual inheritance. Friends, there are 500 verses in the Bible that deal with prayer. 500 verses in all of the Bible that deal living in faith. But over 2,000 verses in the Bible deal with money management, deal with this next level thinking of how to acquire prosperity. And I'm not just talking about money. I'm talking about prosperity in every area of your life. But that includes wealth. That includes money. Let me begin by saying it like this. It's God's will for you to prosper. It's God's will for you to prosper. Let's say it together. It's God's will for me to prosper. Let's say it Take it to you. It's God's will for me to prosper. That's a foundational issue that has to be established. Genesis chapter 3, verse uh, 13, verse 2. It says that Abraham was a man of mighty wealth in gold and in silver and in cattle. We all know that Abraham was a mighty spiritual man because he's the father of all who believe, but also he was mighty in wealth gold, silver, and cattle. That means something tangible on the earth. Deuteronomy 8.18 said, it is the Lord who gives us power to get wealth. Joshua chapter 1 verse 8 tells us, don't let the Bible, the book of the law, depart out of thy mouth, but meditate on it day and night, and it will bring you good success. Psalms 1, blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor sit in the seat of the scornful, nor stand in the way of the sinner, but he shall be like a tree planted by rivers of living water. Their leaf shall not wither, and whatever they do shall prosper. Third John chapter 2, beloved, I wish in all things you would be in good health and prosper. Even as your soul prospers, I gave you all those wonderful scriptures because if wealth is bad for you, why in the world would God give it to his son? If wealth was so to be avoided, and and some people have been taught that in religious upbringings, wealth is to be avoided, abundance is to be avoided, you're just to have just enough and and just kind of get by. If wealth is to be avoided, then why did God give it to his son? Revelation chapter 5, verse 12 states, this is the blessing that God gives to his son. Worthy is the lamb that was slain to receive power, riches, wisdom, strength, honor, glory, and blessings. That's a sevenfold blessing of God, my friend, in which riches of heaven is thrown on in there. Jesus said it like this, whoever leaves his home for my sake, whoever forsakes his houses for my sake, listen, shall reap a hundredfold in this life and the life to come. You put all those scriptures in the text together and you say it like this, God wants us to prosper. He wants us to have wealth, not only in this life, but in the life to come. Because people say, oh, God just wants you wealthy in heaven. God only wants you healed in heaven, Joey. That's why people are sick. I just talked to a person recently that told me it was God's will that they have disease in their body. And I had to tell them what I'm telling you. It's not God's will that you're sick. 
That's the devil who's put disease on you. That's the enemy in the world that's put disease on you. It's not God's will that you get sick and die. Just like it's not God's will that you be broke, busted, and disgusted. It's the same God who put prosperity in you. It's the same God who puts healing in you. He's the same God that puts joy in you. He's the same one that puts peace in you. You have to realize that. God says, I'll give it to you now, I can do it right now, or I'll do it to you later. Because God owns real estate on both sides, friends of the Jordan River. He owns it all. He owns a cattle on a thousand hills, and they're still having babies. He says, the earth is the Lord's, the fullness thereof, and those that dwell therein. The simple fact is, God's up in heaven, and he's in charge. He's not telling you, just pick and choose what you want. It's either all or it's nothing. So take it all and receive it with joy and gladness. Can I get a witness this morning? him. Jesus captured the audience by talking about treasure. He talked about the pearl of great price. Treasure is getting something that you don't deserve. It's finding something that you didn't work for. Why do you think so many people play lottery? Oh, don't get so quiet up in this Presbyterian church. Some of you are guilty. I stand behind you in the line. And you've got so many lottery picks and you got all these weird names. And I'm thinking they need to make a line for lottery people and normal people. Normal people are people like me who just want the drink and they want the little treat and they want to buy it. The lottery people can go try to do it. You don't need the lottery. You need the Lord of glory. There's a world of difference. But if you do win the lottery, tithe. I'm just going to tell you. Just tithe. I, I really want you to do that. But something about getting something for nothing. It's attractive. The pearl of great price, treasure. Jesus talked about a hundredfold return on an investment. He talked about financial freedom. How many of you would like that? I mean, have absolute financial freedom that you can bless other people and also bless yourself. You want that? If you didn't want that, I, you're cray cray. I don't know why you wouldn't want that. There's so much to this topic about how to manage your life and manage your resources based on the kingdom of God principles. But misunderstanding this will destroy your success in every venture you go upon. Now think about this. Do you know that everything that God does on this earth comes from a simple principle? I mean this. Everything that God does on this earth comes from a simple principle principle. The principle is called seed time and harvest. The Bible says in the book of Ecclesiastes, as the earth endures, there's seed time and harvest and it will never stop. It also says in Genesis chapter 8, verse 22, it says, while the earth remains, in other words, while the earth continues on, this seed time and this harvest time will never cease. Now consider, uh, consider the spiritual realm. How did Jesus get to this earth? He got here through the seed time and the harvest principle. Genesis chapter 3, verse 16, it said the seed of the woman, that would be Mary and that would be Jesus, would crush the head of the serpent. That would be Satan. The Holy Spirit planted the seed of, of, of the Son of God in the womb of the Virgin Mary, and Satan and his kingdom were destroyed forever. That's why when you mention the word Jesus, demons tremble at the bare mention of his name. You have so you 
have solutions to every problem. You have salvation that would come whoever would call. You have healing. You have deliverance because of the birth, resurrection, and the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. You have love. You have joy. You have peace. You have the power to walk in victory. You have the power to walk in health. You have the power to walk in love. You got the power to walk in freedom. You got the power to walk in confidence because of what Jesus did for you and for you and for you. Put your hands together and rejoice and be exceedingly glad. Now, consider the physical realm. How did you get here? I can tell you how you got here. Your mama and your daddy put a little Al Green on. Little Marvin Gaye. Oh, I thought you, if you don't know, don't ask me, ask somebody else. You got here because of seed time and harvest. Now let's consider the financial realm. How do you get increased? The scriptures tell us in Luke 6, 38, give, and it shall be given back unto you. Pressed down, shaken together, and running over. Do you know that there's something that's within inside of us that doesn't want to give? That's something that's within us is not of God. God gives us opportunity to give because it's proof. It's faith in action that the cancer of greed hasn't consumed our soul when we learn to give. Giving is learned. I often tell my kids, especially when they were little years ago, when they would say, mine, 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 this is mine, sissy, this is mine, this is mine, this is mine, and I had to teach them and train them to give. Giving is learned. It has to be learned. It's important to know because it's the proof. It's faith in action that the cancer of greed has not consumed our soul. Do you know there's a day coming then that all that we have to show is what we've given over to God? Everything on the planet, the Bible says, is going to burn away. Your houses. I've never seen a U-Haul pull up to a, to a funeral home. There's never stuff accumulated and when you go into a funeral. All that we have is going to go bye-bye except what we've given to God. The day will come when all that we have is what we've given over to God. Everything that God controls gives. There's a revolutionary thought. Everything that God controls gives. God gave his son. His son gave his life. The disciples gave their life. The sun gives off light, without which the world could not function. Clouds give out rain, without which the world would not produce any fruit. It would not produce any vitality. Everything that God makes, everything that God controls, gives. It gives. Everything that God controls, gives. Consider that for a moment, because the Bible says, give, and it will be given back unto you. So with the same measure that you give, it will be given back unto you. Do you ever think about what's the it? Give and it shall be given back unto you. The it is a reproduction of the seed that you plant. That means if you plant apple seeds, you're going to get back apples. If you plant peaches, you're going to get back peaches. If you plant kindness, you're going to get back kindness. If you plant mean, you're going to get back mean. If you give out drama, you're going to get back drama. If you give finances, finances are going to come back to you when you put it in the kingdom of God. It's a reproduction uh, of the it is the seed that we plant. And to the degree, now think about this, that we plant it is the degree that we receive it. It's so important to know because the Bible says whatever a person sows, that shall they also reap. That's seed time and harvest. I love that verse. Do you know for years when I was immature in my belief, I used to always quote that verse when I thought people were living like hell. I'm just true. I would always quote that verse. You reap what you sow. 
I would always quote that verse when I didn't think you were living right. I would always say, you know, they reap what they sow. But now I realize as I, I live longer for the Lord and I trust the Lord on a greater measure, I realize, yeah, I do reap what I sow. I reap what I sow, and I sow a lot of seeds of good stuff. Therefore, I sow it sows right back into my life. That's why I'm blessed and highly favored of God, and so are you. You have an opportunity to be that way too. But it, it, it comes to a place of awareness and consciousness because we have to become seed conscious and never need conscious. But we live in a world today because things come, children, situations, circumstances, and we become so need-oriented that God would meet all of our needs according to his riches and his glory. But I wanna flip it up a little bit this morning and say, hey, how is it that we are need conscience? Instead, we should be seed conscious. Where have I sown that seed? Where have I put that? Where have I added that? Where have I displayed that? I have to become seed conscious and not living by a need conscience. And there's a world of difference. But that takes next level thinking. That takes next realm of understanding of who God is and how great he can be. And people say, well, I don't really have any friends, Joey. That's seed time and harvest. Show yourself friendly. Don't go around looking like you're all irritated for people to be around you. You're not going to have any friends. And then don't give me a, a sad face on emoji status when, when your social media comes up that you don't have any likes because you're not friendly. Show yourself friendly and guess what will happen? You'll get some friends. So some friendship in somebody else's life. That's important to know because when we are lacking something, we got to sow it back in. Anytime there's a compliment to be given, you're to sow it out there. I do that often when I feel like I'm not appreciated, which is often. When I feel like nobody's understanding how great of anointing I have, I think, well, you know what? I'm just going to encourage somebody else in their anointing. I'm going to encourage them out. I'm going to plant the seed. That's why some of the, the men of God that I have contact with, I send them texts all the time. You're doing great. Praying for you today. Love you. Why? That's because I'm feeling very needy. So if you ever get a text from me, you're like, he's needy today. What am I doing? I'm sowing seed. If you don't hear from me, I'm doing good. No, I'm just teasing. But you get my point. It, it's a seed that we sow. And people say, well, I don't have any friends. Sow friendship. But as long as you go around acting like you're irritated by everything and everyone, you're not going to have any friends. The Bible says, he who wants friends, show themselves what? Friendly. That means there comes a time where you have to sow that into people's lives. Now think about how if we learn this principle of giving and it gains, because givers always gain, giving gains. And this is where I think many people who love God, they're called according to God, I think they miss this so often and they think like my daddy thought. My daddy was not raised in church and he didn't have a, a, a religious upbringing, but he's had such a good heart. But my daddy thought that when you're to give to God, and I would tell him this often, he, he would give to God and he'd say, I don't expect anything in return. And he, and he meant so well. I mean, you guys know what I'm saying with that. He would, he would give the shirt off his back. He was so generous. That's where a lot of things I get from my dad. He would, he would pay for your meal. Even if he didn't like you, he'd pay for your meal. And, and I pay for people's meal. You've never taken me out and paid for me. I always pay for people's meal. Don't follow me home now. Don't follow me to lunch. If I see you, I'll lose you. But I always try to pay for people's meals, be kind, you know, be generous. I, I, I sow the seed. And, and my daddy was like that. But he always would say this. And he would say, I, I give this and I don't want anything in return. And I, I would say, but daddy, you, you give. You should expect a return on your investment. 
You should expect that from the Lord. And some of you need to get that level of thinking elevated. You should give and expect the gain. You say, well, I don't want to be arrogant or braggadocious. You're not. You're fulfilling the covenant scriptures of God. The Bible says, give and it shall be given back unto you. And good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. Givers gain. Givers gain. You say, Joey, I should give and expect a return? Yes. According to the will of God, you should give and expect to give it back, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. Expect it from God, the blessing. The Bible says in Matthew chapter 13, verse 3, verse 8, it says, Behold, a sower went out to sow the seed, and it fell on good ground, and it brought forth fruit. And the scriptures went on to say that fruit produced 30, 60, and 100-fold. That's amazing because 100-fold is literally 10,000% gain. How many of you would like to have that type of gain? Wall Street can't match that. A 401k can't match that. Any type of investment profiles, they cannot match God's kingdom and his tremendous gain. And people say, well, man, I like what you're saying, and you're really cool, and you're good looking, and I like all that, and I want you to know, however, I'm so far, far back financially, I can never catch up. But that's simply not true. The Bible doesn't teach that. You may be far back, but God knows how to put you, thrust you ways ahead. The Bible says it this way. Listen to this scripture. God is able to make it up to you and give you everything you need more and more that you'll not only have enough for your needs, but plenty left over to give joyfully to others. That means it God's will for you to give joyfully to others. You know, I used to say when I first started out pastoring, I've never pastored before, been a part of a church, and I used to joke around, and you know, I've heard it somewhere throughout the years, and I used to say, God loves a cheerful giver, but he will take from a grouch. So, you know, nobody's exempt. Put something in. But I've realized that God wants you cheerful in your giving. Why? So you can bless other people. How about believing this year before it's ending? You'll pay your house off, pay some debt off, but also pay other people's off to bless you joyfully, but also bless other people. God wants us that way. Not only to be cheerful that our needs are met, but blessing other people people joyfully giving to others not a little grouch old sour keep your money if you think you got to be sour to do it you give it unto God and you give it joyfully and watch God produce a harvest some 30 60 and a hundred fold can I get a witness on the goodness of God today notice that verse God is able and God's willing to make it up to you. That means he'll give back what the devil has stolen from you. He'll give back what you lost in the bankruptcy. He'll give it back to you what you lost in the bad business venture when you shouldn't have gotten that investment deal. He'll give it back to you what you lost when you were unemployed. Aflac came in and it wasn't enough. He will give it back what you lost in that divorce and that settlement. Only way of catching up is sow your seed in the kingdom of God and watch it produce a harvest and watch God provide. I love that. But once you realize that givers gain, you got to do your part. You got to plant that seed. You've got to do your part and plant the seed into the kingdom of God. Without seed, there's no harvest. God can increase what you put in the ground a hundredfold, but zero times zero equals what? Zero. Jesus said in John 12, 24, when I say unto you, except a seed of corn fall into the ground, it abides alone and does no good. In other words, that seed has to be planted or it has no benefit. If what you have in your hands is not enough to meet a need, then what you have is seed. And you plant that seed and God begins to increase it. Do you know farmers do three things with seeds? They really do. They eat it, they can feed it to livestock, or they plant it. 
Do you know eating it and feeding it to livestock only produces temporal results, but planting it produces future results. When you eat it and when you feed it to livestock, it only satisfies in the just enough. But when you become a son and a daughter and you no longer think like a slave and you no longer have a mentality of, of just enough and just getting over and thank God my bills are paid and I'm thank God that this is happening and that's good. But there's another level of more than enough where God starts to increase so you can bless other people, so you can give honor to the Lord through others and meet those needs. God wants to do that. Some of you are saying today, I like everything you're saying, but God's economic system is messing up my brain. I want you to know you don't have to understand a miracle to receive a miracle. You don't understand electricity, but you turn the light on, don't you? You can't explain electricity. No human being on the earth can fully explain electricity. But just because I can't explain electricity doesn't keep me from turning the lights on when I get up in the house. Just because I can't explain women doesn't keep me from marrying one. Hey! I don't understand a lot of things, but that's why God explained it in Isaiah 55. My ways are not your ways, nor my thoughts are your thoughts. That says God's economy is not your economy. It's not the world's economy. It's not you, you come up by doing this and doing that. God says, my ways are not your ways. The first shall become last, givers gain, plant your seed, it produces a harvest, and watch me produce a miracle. I want you to know that because when you do that, you are literally joining in partnership with God. The person that plants the seed literally or financially, they join in partnership with God because the moment you do it, God begins to multiply it. That's true whether it's a corn, a seed of corn or a $10 bill. You plant it, God starts to work on your behalf. But you have to do your part. You got to begin to honor God. It's what we call in the church world, the tithe. The tithe belongs to the Lord. What in the world is a tithe? That's 10% of your income goes to God. The tithe in the scripture is called the first fruit. Everybody say first fruit. That means it's the first line of obedience. It belongs to God. Now, I got an illustration this morning that I thought is fantastic. I have 10 $100 bills. Now, I want you to think about these being $100 bills, but we're on a budget here at Oasis Church, so these are one. But I want you to imagine that these are $100 bills. Joy, would you line these up on that top stage uh, all across, all 10 of them, please? Thank you, Joy. God bless you, Joy. Give Joy a round of applause as she lines those up. That's 10 $100 bills that are lined up. Don't you rush the stage. They're really a dollar bill. They are lined up there, but the tithe is the first fruits. That means if I laid out and my work for a month gave me 10 $100 bills, I don't take the first fruit of these $100 bills and pay my rent and pay my mortgage payment and pay my car note or my student loans or my outstanding debt. This first fruit belongs to God. This is not mine. This is God's resource. This is not my resource. See, what we do, we do the opposite. We start paying out of the first fruits all the pressing needs. And so we pay this thing, we pay that, we pay that, we pay that. And all of a sudden we get to the end and now we've got a divine tip and we think, oh, God knows my heart. And God says, yeah, I know your heart, you cheapskate. You need to honor me with the first fruit. It belongs to God. With that being said, you have to realize that 
this first issue never was yours to take. God says, it's mine. He says, bring that tithe, that's 10%. You say, Joey, you're crazy. You expect me to give 10% of my income to God? No, I don't, but God does. I'm in sales, he's in management. Take it up with him. He controls your next breath. He controls your life. He controls your heartbeat. Men, he controls whether your mother-in-law moves in or not for the rest of eternity. I don't know about you, but I wouldn't want to tick him off. Whatever he says to do, I shall do it. I think it's important because the tithe is the first fruits. If, if that's important to God, it should be important to us. I think about when we live in debt. When we live in debt, we're doing everything but tithing. That's what debt represents doing everything but tithing. And I'm not saying you're to, you know, I can't have any debt or anything like that, but I'm saying when all these things start pressing and God starts taking a back seat, there's something called obedience that's gotta kick in to show God he means first place in my life. The Bible says, seek ye first the kingdom of God. Is it going to be first choice or leftover chance? And people say, well, it's somebody else's responsibility. No, God says, you're the church. It's your responsibility. God says, bring that tithe into the storehouse. Leviticus 27, verse 30, all the tithe is the Lord's. The seed of the land and the fruit of the tree is the Lord's. That means it never belonged to us. That first one belongs to God. God says, you'll live better off the 90 than you ever will off the 100. You can have bags of money, but the book of Haggai says you'll have money with holes in that bag because you haven't learned the first fruit principle. This is something that I challenge everybody. And I used to shrink back because I would go, oh, the church, I don't want them thinking it's me. But it ain't me. It's God. It's God's money. And people go, oh, the church, the church. No, you're the church. You have to establish, are you a part of the church or not? Are you a part of the kingdom of God or not? Why do you think so many people cut and run, leave church, leave life, just come three out of eight? The national average of the congregation around America, three Sundays out of eight, and the national tithe is, is eight to 12% of people in the church. They, they tithe. Everybody else robs God, and they rob God of a blessing, and they rob themselves of a blessing. They sit in the congregation week after week, and they get fed, 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 feed me, feed me, feed me, and they're the most of the people who come with the complaints because they don't have investment in the kingdom of God. Malachi 3, chapter 10, bring the tithe into the storehouse. Not some of it, but all of it. That's God's house, the storehouse. It's the house of God. When we practice that, when it comes into the storehouse, God says, I'll start rebuking the devourer. I'll start opening up the windows of heaven for you. I don't pray about the word of God. I don't know about you, but I do the word of God. That's what obedience is. It's radical obedience. I don't have to pray about tithing. I do tithe. I, die. I tithe. I don't have to pray about it for my benefit and my well-being. I gave my heart to the Lord on May 18th, 1997. I've never been to church in my life. I wasn't raised in church. I had no religious upbringing. When I became a pastor here in Stockton, Jennifer and I, I've never been a part of an organized church before. In other words, I've never been a part of a church staff or a church, you know, protocol. You know, you kind of come up in the ranks. So it was all new to me. And I gave, I got saved. I got saved. I got saved. People ask, you tithe? I said, yeah, because I got saved. Some of you, that'll sink in on the way home. I tithe because I got saved. Because it wasn't mine. I read in that Bible where that belonged to God. So I didn't have to pray about it. 
When people come and say, let's pray about giving, I don't pray and close my eyes around thieves because God says you're a thief. God says that. I don't, I'm too shy to say that. God said that. You've robbed me. How did you rob me with the tithes and the offering? You're a thief. God's got you on heaven's most wanted list. He's going after you because he wants the best to come to you. He wants you to experience the abundant blessing of God. You don't have to pray about receiving the blessing. You got to obey to receive the blessing. It's really that simple. This is tangible. You can do it. Why do I need to do it? Because God says, I'll rebuke the devourer for your sake. I'll hold Satan on a leash. Other businesses will fail. Other restaurants may fail, but you'll have abundant blessing because you've honored me in the tithe. Other situations have failed, but you will be blessed, overwhelmed and blessed. I'll rebuke the devourer. I'll hold him back. You can't get that type of confidence and type of security nowhere else. God says, you belong to me and I belong to you. You sow a radical seed out of your need and obey me and watch me rebuke the devourer. Watch me provide. Watch me make the way. Watch me overcome good with the evil things that have tried to come against you. But you have to determine that, that size of your harvest by the seeds that you sow. If I laid the platform out and I took seed in my hand and just threw it over in the corner, and when harvest time came, I got a huge John Deere combine because I told everybody, I got to harvest the whole stage. How many of you know that's not true because I've only thrown a few seeds over here? I can really pick that up with a little pickup truck, one of those old school, old little pickup lowriders. I can pick it up right there in the little truck or one of those little smart cars. I could probably throw it in and then I can throw the smart car in my truck and go home. But I have to plant the seed and I have to determine how big the harvest is by how much seed I'm going to plant. Think about that. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 9, 6, a farmer who plants just a few seeds will only get a small crop, but he who plants much will reap much. Luke 6, 38, give and it'll be given unto you. With the same measure that you've used giving, it will be measured back to you. When you don't give nothing, you get nothing. How many of you agree with prosperity is better than poverty? You agree with me on that? I agree. I agree because I've, I told you I wasn't raised in church. Uh, I say this very, very humbly, but um, it's just a fact of life. My family and I was the youngest of boys. My mother and my father, we lived in a home that was under 800 square feet, probably 700 square feet until I was 11 years old. And that's not a very big house with three boys, a mother and a father. And then as a result of bad choices, we lost that house and lived on the streets for years and lived from motel to hotel, lived with bologna floating in the ice chest with no ice, and that was supper. Lived where I'd had to go with my mother when she was alive, and I had to go to the church to be in the line to pick up food. So I don't say that in any demeaning way. I just say I know what it's like to live in poverty, to not have enough to not make bills and not be able to live a place and be kicked out of a place and not be able to get a place because you don't have credit. And because you don't have credit, you can't get a new place and you don't have a car, so you can't get a job. I know how all that works because I've lived that way because I was too young to make the change at that time. But I also know what it lives to live in prosperity. Long before I pastored here, you got to know that. Way before I, I, I lived a greater prosperity before I was a pastor, trust me. I was a traveling minister and everywhere I went, the anointing was there, baby. 
And when the anointing came, the blessings came. I've had people give me cars and watches and all types of stuff. And I used to say, oh, no, I don't need them. And then I realized, no, no, they need that blessing. Give it to the man. Give it to the woman of God. Be the blessing. You say, well, that sounds crazy. I'm just telling you that for a reason so you know the heart that I'm ministering to you with. I'm not saying that for any personal gain. I'm saying that for your benefit. When I gave my heart to the Lord, I immediately read that scripture and I started giving. I am who I am today because of this principle of seed time and harvest. I am who I am today because I always honored God. Everything that came in, God gave it. I gave back to the Lord first. And then I gave my tithes and offerings. We have memberships at the city center. I work at home. I blow my chest up at home. I don't need to go to the city center, but I have a gym membership at the city center, just like everybody else should. So don't want freebies. I have a membership. You should have a membership. What's the point in that? We sow seed. I give monthly to the membership of the Lord's Gym City Center as well. Not only do I have a monthly membership, but I also sow a seed of an offering every month. What am I telling you? I'm communicating that because I have seed everywhere. So when things get tied and the family gets tied and Jennifer comes because she does the bills and says, hey, we're a little tight this month. I say, we have a lot of seed. It's coming. We have a lot of seed out there. When the ministry gets tied and I, I tell the staff, I say, we got a lot of seed out there. It's going to produce a harvest. And I pray the harvest in because I know we've sown the seed. I'm telling you that for a reason, because you have to determine what side of the harvest are you going to get? Are you going to get a thimble? If you give a thimble, you'll get a thimble. Are you going to get a dump truck? Then plant the seed and get ready for the dump truck to come and give it back to you. But... It's important to realize when you live in this realm of understanding, you have to wait for the promise. Because in life, we want it so immediate, right? We sow a seed. Some of you have real trouble dropping the $10 bill in the, in the bucket. It's almost like seeing a long lost relative go away once and for all. Bye. Go down the line. Oh my God. Oh my God, I can't believe I gave $10. And then you go to the parking lot and you're like, where's my return on my $10? How come Joey didn't call me out by name and come and cure me of everything in the mange? How come he didn't do it? I'm telling you, you have to wait for the promise. Once you sow the seed, you gotta be patient. I, we live in a society that doesn't wanna be patient about anything. We live in an electronical age, but friends, we serve an agricultural God. He's not electronical, he's agricultural reaping and sowing some of you dear wonderful people in this room have sown seeds for decades and i want you to know your harvest is coming mom your harvest is coming dad your harvest is coming grandmother grandfather your harvest is coming young person you stayed away from evil your harvest is coming don't get weary in well-doing you're going to reap a harvest if you don't give up and you faint not romans 8 25 for we hope which we have for the things which we don't see we have patience as we wait for it that means when you give it unto the god don't expect to return and you get into the lobby say god i'm waiting on your promises you're going to produce a great harvest i'm waiting on it this miracle of moving the church, I'm telling you, I wanted to move the church when I came in 2010. I begged God, God, get me out of here. 2010, I wanted out. I wanted to go into a new location because I knew this wasn't facilitating our needs that God would produce great amount of people that come to the church. That was when we didn't have a large church. And I'm telling you that because 2010 came, 2011 came, 2012 came, 2013, 14, and on. And only until this year do we go. 
and we'll go before the year's over. We'll go. You know why we'll go? Because January 1, on a Sunday morning, I came into that back door and the Spirit of God spoke to my heart and said, this is the last year you're here. And at that moment, that was anything but that. We were not in any negotiations or any transitions. And the Lord said, this is the last year. I went and told the worship team, they'll remember. I said, God told me this is the last year we're here. And that was in January 1, first of this year. And you know what? We're going to be moving by the end of this year to our new location, our new home. I'm telling you that because sometimes you just got to wait on it. Sometimes you just got to wait on it. You need to wait, young person. You need to wait for that right man. You need to wait for that right woman. You need to wait for that right business deal. You need to wait for the promises of God. Don't uproot yourself from the church. You wait on the promises of God. Don't think your man's going to be at so-and-so's place. Wait on the things of God. Wait on the plan of God. Wait on the purpose of God. And when you wait on the Lord, you've got to realize you put the, the seed into the anointed hands of Jesus. That's what the kingdom of God is all about. Every time you plant a seed into the kingdom, you're putting it in anointed hands, and it goes from a slave to a son. It goes from not enough. It goes from just enough. Then when you put it into anointed hands, it goes to more than enough. And God starts to abundantly bless it. He gives you when you have five barley loaves and two small fishes. Now you've went from not enough to just enough. Now you got 12 basketfuls left over. You got more than enough because that's the type of God that we serve.